immersive audio podcast. In conversations with industry thought leaders, practitioners, artists, academics, and entrepreneurs, discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry, from art, science, and business to practical insights and project case studies. We aim to inform, educate, explore, and unite the community. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of Immersive Audio Podcast. With me, your host, Oliver Cadell and Monica Bowles. Hello. Hi, Monica. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Full of energy. It's end of the day. It's a Champions League game of my football team, and I'm really looking forward to it because we haven't had a game for a number of years, so I can't wait. Yeah, I think the you know the only news I have is um, I you know we're still working on. Uh, I'm still helping organize and uh, the upcoming Immersa uh, Full Dome Summit. So that's get, getting ready to happen in Montreal, um, October I think 14th through 19th. Um, and we'll have some spatial audio present presentations there, um, and as well as a bunch of full dome stuff, and should be pretty exciting. It's a collaboration between the Society of Art and Technology and the Rio Tinto um, uh, Planetarium uh, in Montreal. So we've got three domes, actually, that will have different um, content being presented. Amazing. Well, well, we'll definitely include links in the podcast show notes. And this is... Uh, this is first a Mercer properly in person with the real venues, real people since the COVID. Yeah, so Immersa, um and it's the first Montreal Immersa. So we were supposed to do that in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. I think is when we were going to do a Montreal Immersa, but um, uh, it of course got postponed. So first in person event since uh, since uh, the pandemic in twenty twenty. Before that, we need to talk to our guest, and we have two very special guests today, Paul Holman and Salvador Breed from 4D Sound. Paul is a co-founder and technical director of the spatial sound and creative development studio 4D Sound. As a creative technologist, Paul focuses on the application of spatial sound to a variety of art forms ranging from light installations to kinetic architecture and live performances. He's a lecturer at Creative Systems Design Program at Utrecht University of the Arts, HKU. Next to his artistic achievements, Paul holds a master's degree in cultural sociology from University of Amsterdam. Salvador creates and sculpts sound and technology for a wide field of contexts like live performances, fashion shows, video art, and interactive art installations. As a co-founder of spatial sound company 4D Sound, he specializes in composing space as an important element of soundtracks while pushing the technical possibilities in this field. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Hey, <laughs> thanks for having us. Hello. Absolute pleasure. And whereabouts are you tuning in from? Uh, we're in Amsterdam. Both of us. Yeah. Can you tell us about your background and how you got working with Spatial Audio and how you became involved with 4D Sound? Uh, yes, of course. Um, well, Salvador and I met uh, about 20 years ago because we were in the same uh, school or university, University of the Arts Utrecht. So that's also where I teach now. And very soon during um, our education, like we, we teamed up and doing like school projects together. Uh, also with a third person, Luc van Beelde. And at some point we had a subject and like 
the assignment was to do like let's say commissioned work or like a, a project with an external uh, person and this was Paul Ome also a student but then at the conservatory of Amsterdam and at that time I was already working a lot with Max MSP and doing uh, like multi-channel audio Salvador was doing a lot with with sound design and composition and this Paul Ome had ideas about you know custom software uh, so we did a few projects together and these projects yeah from the one led to another because we wanted to expand on this this multi-channel uh, composition tools or later spatial audio and at some point we like decided let's really go for it and that's where the idea uh, of 4d sound emerged yeah and i i commit uh, let's say four days a week to 4D sound. And then the fifth day I teach at the university in Max MSP. Uh, my background is more in composition and uh, sound design. And uh, I, I did program when I went back, when I studied together with uh, Paul and Luke, but they were clearly f way better at it and, uh, and faster. And um, we, we teamed up and developed really neat tools together. And for the sound was really kind of a, a project where a lot of that knowledge that we build up through different projects uh, in in terms of uh, collaborative uh, dynamic and um, uh, where we both approached it as a composition and and kind of a, a playable tool, which was very much something I was into. Uh, and at the same time, uh, uh, kind of a, a programming uh, language, I would say. So we, we kind of took both of our worlds and tried to create it, put it into this tool that was then still a Max MSP patch. I do a lot of composition for short films, mostly art and fashion films. Um, and... Lately, I've been doing a lot of uh, dance projects, so uh, modern dance and ballet, which I find very interesting. And uh, also combining that with spatial audio. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited to have the two of you on. Uh, um, we haven't had too many people who have a lot of a, a big background in Maxim SP. Um, and that's something that I work with quite a bit. Yes. So what are your roles at 4D Sound? Yeah, so I'm the, the technical director, um, and so I lead the, the technical team. Um, we have a software development team who uh, uh, writes our 4D sound engine in C++. I myself still work in Max MSP, so I maintain the Max for Life devices. And apart from that, yeah, I'm, I'm running the business together with my colleagues, so there's also project management and business development. Uh, and when I get lucky, there's like time enough to like within a project also create like custom tools for that specific project that then connect with our software to create something new. Um, but yeah, my most important role is the, is the technical lead. And Salvador? Uh, my role mostly consists uh, as a maker. So uh, different roles in terms of that I... I bring in ideas uh, for the software. I uh, do uh, use the software a lot. So uh, back when it was still in beta, I was doing a lot of testing and using it in installations. And also 
Uh, I work a lot with uh, the different projects that we're doing. I work kind of as a sound designer slash working with the tech technical people in between, kind of as a translator, I I'd say. So my role is a bit... Uh, Di a bit diverse and different in each project. Uh, right now, I'm also curating uh, together with some other people uh, a, a small festival we're doing in the end of the year. So, yeah, it's, we're a small company, so we uh, we do shift in in our roles here and there. So you wear a lot of hats. Can you tell us a bit more about Forty Sound, its history, and its mission? Forty Sound uh, started initially uh, as a project. Uh, we created for uh, an opera. Uh, Paul Oman, who was mentioned earlier, uh, wanted to create an opera and we were asked to work on the spatial audio for this project. So we looked into all different kinds of systems that we thought might be useful for this. We weren't necessarily wanted to create something new, but wanted to do some very specific ideas wanted to create some very specific spatial experiences. So when we looked into it, we found that the tools that were currently out there were somewhat limited for us because there were, there were some standards, but uh, because we were so specific, we found like we really wanted to uh, have certain tools. For example, one is that we wanted to be able to place sounds in the middle of the space and be able to walk around it, which in most tools isn't possible. So we started looking into creating our own piece of software uh, in Max MSP and uh, started to look into what kind of hardware we wanted to uh, use to make this possible. and. We did a lot of kind of test weeks where we, we had different kind of setups, tried things out with the software, along of lo uh, long nights with weird sounds uh, in order to uh, find the right connections to, to create this special tool that we wanted. Yeah, and if I may add also, like from the start, it was very important to us that 4D Sound was a live environment. Um, so we are talking about 2007, 2008 now, around that time. And when we did our research on existing spatial audio systems, a lot of them were well connected to universities or like more, let's say, technical institutions. Um, but not many of them were really part of the performance uh, arts. And yeah, from the first moment that was like our background is mostly in electronic music and live electroacoustic music. So that was very important to us. Yes, for this this opera, the, the singers also had, it, uh, had to be uh, real-time amplified while moving through the space, but the sound had to move with their voice. So already in our first version of the software, we had tracking uh, a tracking system which followed the singers in the space and had them their sound projected on top of them, which was, if I look back at it, kind of crazy that we managed to do that in that short period of time. But uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, and another thing also relating to this, 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 this live environment was that we were, let's say, very lucky that also, I think it was 2007 or 8 again, when Max for Life was released. 
Um, so we started with the very first prototypes in in Max MSP, and uh, yeah, it was it was I mean it worked kind of, and we were developing our ideas, and then suddenly Max for Life was there. And then this opened up the world of using Ableton Live as a sequencer so we could really focus on what the special audio engine did. Um, so that, that helped us a lot. And we haven't shifted away from it ever since. We were initially also working on somewhat of a sequencer. And that made it a lot easier to, to shift away from the whole sequencing and focus on special audio whilst using the, the composition tools of, of Ableton and the live tools. Yeah, I created some kind of, a, let's say, text script in order to sequence like sound and movement in time. And it, it did the job it did, but yeah, um, it, was, it was not intuitive at all, uh, more administrative, I would say. But that's how you start. I know there's a lot of new technologies that have come out in the last four years. And um, yeah, I'm curious, you know, for myself, you know, I work with Max MSP all the time and I, you know, I try out some of these new tool sets, but then I keep going back to Max. And I'm curious, um, I mean, I know if you feel the same way, if you feel like there's some new tool sets um, besides your own, and we'll, we'll get into kind of talking about, you know, the technical elements of your system that, um, you feel are in any way competition to um, being, you know, having that, that being able to do the things that you're able to do within still just programming this stuff yourself? Um, it's competition, yes, because many players are operating in the same field. Um, to be honest, it feels more like, I don't know, some, it's, it's like a thriving thing right now. So it's like we don't want to become the biggest or the monopolist or anything. So we just find our space within everything else that's happening. And I, th I think it's important to explain also that, and I, we will come to further detail later, I understand, but um, we use uh, Max for Life as an interface for our st like standalone C++ for the sound engine. So um, we use the flexibility of Max for like quick prototyping or for, um, yeah, so interface design and interface development. But as soon as we like depart from the prototyping stage, we, we port it to like C++ modules uh, with our own core team. And that's where it ends up in, 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 in this, yeah, C++ application. And the way I see it is that our approach enables us to like, not rely on custom MSP patches that you then have to change. There's always this performance ceiling which you at some point hit because Max is great in being flexible and doing a lot, but it's, you know, it has its, its limits. And on the other hand, if you would only work on a, uh, let's say, very dedicated standalone application with a very strict goal and functionality, then you are not that flexible. And then it's maybe more about implementing a few like basic ideas or a few more straightforward ideas and try to make that work in the market. Um, but we are somewhere in the middle. So we want this flexibility and, you know, 
being quick and creative, but we also want to be like high performance and reliable and robust. And right now it's both. Um, so what that means in terms of composition, yeah, there's a lot to say about it, but I feel very comfortable <laughs> uh, the way we do it right now. At some point we finished the opera and, and uh, we felt happy about the project, but uh, we, we already felt before we finished it that the 4D sound system that we created had so much more potential. So we wanted to continue with it, uh, continue creating the software, creating the tools, but also wanted to collaborate with artists to, 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 for other people to experience what we, what we made for ourselves, basically. And so uh, during ADE, we did a, a presentation and we kind of took a lot of artists from the Amsterdam Dance Event, which is uh, both a, a lot of parties happen, but there's also a conference in, in, in the city of Amsterdam. And during this period, we invited a lot of artists to have a listen to some of the things that we created. And the, it resonated with a lot of artists uh, immediately. So that's how we kind of started working with other people with our software in creating uh, work that wasn't ours. Uh, and and uh, amongst these were uh, Max Cooper and... Um, Biosphere. Biosphere, yeah, that was fantastic. Panta du Prince. So there were all these... Uh, in the beginning, it was mostly electronic music. Later on, it became also more electroacoustic and uh, kind of modern classical. Uh, but the, it started to kind of... Uh, get a, a, get a life on its own, and this more and more also started to become a, a, a goal. Therefore, we also wanted to create an engine that was a lot more uh, robust and kind of static, so we would know that if if an artist would make a certain uh, piece of music, that they could play it back a few years later without any problems. You can just keep on editing your uh, Max patch. Uh, and, and nothing works anymore, but at some point you have to kind of uh, stabilize. So that's when uh, our main coder, Stein van Beek, uh, came in to, to translate the work that we've done and all the, into a, a hard-coded uh, engine. Um, then after the, we started uh, working on this, we also found that more people were interested in opening spaces. And this is how Monom and Lope uh, came about and SSI, Spatial Sound Institute. Uh, Monom is uh, a space in Berlin where uh, artists uh, both uh, get commissioned to, to make work and uh, play work. Uh, same for Lope, uh, which is in Vancouver. And uh, uh, the SSI is in Budapest, which is more research-based. Uh, uh, research so a lot of uh, people go there for longer periods to to uh, experiment with spatial sound and uh, make work also. Yeah, what this also shows, as, as Salvador is summarizing it right now, is that from the very early stages, we started to involve artists that we found interesting and that were already like, we thought they, you know, used a lot of space in their music and we wanted them to, you know, um, uh, use our system for it but then like these conversations with these artists and we would see them work and we would see 
you know, experiments that succeeded and definitely also experiments that failed. And in these, yeah, like getting these this feedback from these artists uh, helped us a lot with um, um, new features, uh, our ideas, our goals, etc. cetera, um, because... Well, actually, still we do it, but I would say even especially in the beginning, like every artist that came in got like a lot of technical support. And we would almost every time create like custom tools to um, play live with with their set. And um, yeah, so this interaction with the artist is still important. And therefore also like these venues, Monum, Lope and Spatial Sound Institute are artist residency spaces where where these artists are still working with our system and software. And we like, we always want to know, like, how did it go? Do you have any ideas? What were, you know, what went well, what didn't? Um, so that's, that's very important to us. So there were people that got in there and they wanted to control every single centimeter and really kind of pinpoint every sound everywhere, control everything on the millimeter and just work on something just very, very precise, whilst others use it much more kind of as painting. Uh, Peter van Hoese, who is uh, also an early uh, uh, artist, a techno artist from uh, Belgium, he kind of created a palette of movements and just started sending sounds into it, which created something we had never heard from our system. So we instantly got ideas from that. Oh, he's, more, he's more using it kind of as a dub mixing uh, uh, kind of setup and um, um, we also uh, started uh, collect there were certain ideas of artists like I want to create a certain movement it has to move there to move there and they started drawing it in but we we also thought like if you create an algorithm that actually controls the movement and you can do this kind of generative create, very chaotic patterns. Something that a certain artists definitely are interested in is, is creating organic movement. And, and, and so creating the algorithms to do this was also something that came out of the re these residencies. Yeah, so what we develop is custom software. Um, and at the core is the 4D sound engine. Um, but we also design the speaker systems uh, this is not so the cost of the software we we develop and build ourselves, and the hardware it depends per space per project um, like how we how we design it, but we always look at the entire system, a spatial sound environment that you know most of the times like you, you would use our forty sound suite, which is you know the, the combination of softwares that enables you to with Ableton Live. Um, uh, perform or compose with 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 our software in spatial sound. That's very cool, and I, I love all of that. Um, everything you've kind of talked about with, you know, the import the the importance of getting artists involved in this process and really having, um, you know, a very collaborative uh, experience in the development of these tools. Um, so I guess, yeah, can you can you explain the technical makeup of the 4D sound system at this point? I know it's probably evolving. Um, and, you know, what exactly makes it unique? I think 4D sound consists of different kind of layers. And if I, I'll, I'll break it up in three layers. I think the most important layer is the experience. We, we want to create the most incredible spatial experience 
for each context. So our flagship is uh, our flagship uh, systems is the 4D sound system itself, which is with omnidirectional speakers by Bloomline. Uh, uh, it's 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 a matrix, which is able to to uh, really create a, a spatial experience that I have never heard anywhere else. Um, one of the biggest uh, things is that you can both create spatiality within the space, so you can uh, move sounds in the space, but also outside it. Then there's, there's the second layer, which is the hardware setup. So for each project, we look at, okay, do you, can we use, is sound this important? And is, is it kind of the main thing? We use a flagship for the sound system, but we can also create a custom grid. So for example, Paul was mentioning dance project. For a dance project, you need to have the floor empty and you have to need, you need to have a certain type of floor for the dancers to be able to move. So we cannot put speakers underneath the floor, for example. So then we start using different kind of setups. So at the moment, we're working on a project with uh, a big ceiling with omnidirectional speakers and a, in combination with an octophonic setup that helps us both to create a field in the space, but also outside it. And for this type of setup. So if there's a certain artist, we, we, we look at their work and think, okay, your work needs this and this and this. And therefore it's important to create a special sound system like this. So we customize it per project. We do multi-grid setups uh, and, and, so that's the second one, that's kind of the setup. And then the third is the software, which uh, is both very robust. It's uh, We call it a spatial audio framework. So the suite is kind of the fixed setup that, that is used in, in uh, Monom, Lobe and uh, SSI with the standard uh, setups. But it's also possible to customize this to a certain different type of setup. So, for example, we work with an architect, Philip Beasley, and he created a system together with us with a field of omnidirectional speakers, a surround setup, uh, subwoofers, and some small speakers hidden uh, in, in the space. And we're able to work with these, with these different layers in our software uh, so uh, so you can use them together or separate, or you can place a sound in the middle on a small speakers and create reflections in the outside field. So for me, the 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 experience first, uh, the hardware and kind of setup, and then the software. Those are kind of the three important elements for me. I mean, like we can start talking about the product that we have, and you know, I don't know, start listing all its features. Um, but to understand what we do and also why we do it, it's, it always starts with the experience. So, for instance, when, when there's an, an artist coming in for an artist residency and he or she might have prepared, you know, stems, maybe stems of a, like a, an album that already exists or a track that already exists. And then like the initial idea is, okay, so now I can just spread my different voices, my different stems through the space. Yeah, that's possible. It also still, it like it happens sometimes, but very more often um, these, like an artist who, who does like these first experiments based on, you know, the impression uh, he or she had before, 
comes in the studio, listens back, and is like, oh, wait, but what? The implications of, of, of space are very different than what I anticipated. And I have to refresh my ideas. <laughs> um, and then also like in conversations with the artists, we also like start to talk about like, what does space mean with, with your concept or, you know, where do we get? Um, and then at some point we dive more and more into the software and then like the artist will find that we have created this, this tool set, or I would prefer to say instruments where you can find all these possibilities and parameters and functions to very dynamically and, and, and full of expression play with the space. Um, so in the end, what we, like we always, I mean, I, I think this is, is sounding through all of our answers, but we have a very, let's say, holistic view on what we do. It really connects with space, what a composition means within different contexts or different art disciplines. Um, as we said before, the feedback of, of artists is also very interesting. So this is like, like a continuous reciprocal process that has culminated in what we call the 40 sound suite. So this is ready to go software um, and you, 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 know, you switch it on and you can get to work. That's all there. And we don't make it too complicated. But if we can make it a bit more complicated the way we like to, then we see it um, as, a, as a bigger thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it might be uh, nice to note as well that all of the people involved in 4D Sound are artists themselves. So even the, the coders, they, they make music uh, within uh, 4D Sound, but also outside that. They, 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 they combine this... So I think that also has a big impact on everybody because we all think from the sound experience. That's the core of everything. Well, thank you so much for that detailed answer. Um, I guess we're going to be moving into our next section, um, which is our hot topic. And a topic I am personally very excited about, um, and it is talking about space as an instrument. Um, we kind of came, you know, we, uh, when I was talking with uh, Salvador and Paul, you earlier, um, we kind of came on this topic because um, you, were, you were talking about how um, you view the 4D sound array as not only a tool for technically creating a three-dimensional soundscape, but also an instrument itself. Um, and so would you like to elaborate on this concept? Yeah, to play the space as an instrument or what we have created, we see as an instrument. Um, maybe first, like, what is an instrument? Well, an instrument is not a tool, you know. You, if you need to drill a hole in the wall, then you get a drill and like, it's very functional. Um, that's, that's what I would see as a tool. Um, and an instrument, and let's make it musical now, would be like, it could be a piano, a violin. Well, people know what instruments are. And they are, they are you know, uh, they are designed for musical expression and they are designed to play dynamically and they are designed to to explore um, and they are you can you know 
on a piano you can play so many different genres you can you know you can play quick or slow loud or soft and the piano doesn't tell you what you do with it you know a drill drills and a piano can do so many different things and the way we designed our instrument our software is that it's that it challenges you and there are maybe you completely focus on one element and that's what you used for your creative expression or maybe you find something hidden in a you know far deep corner and you like totally um, 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 enthused by that um, but at the end it's it enables you as a composer or live performing artist or sound designer to yeah play the space with sound in the most dynamic and um, uh, most expressive way as we imagine or try to, you know, enable to. Um, so that would be how I see it. With this as a goal to, to create an instrument, we, we really thought about, okay, what options can we give to musicians? So the suite is kind of the, the standard way of stepping into this world where you can use uh, a single uh, uh, channel sounds to 16 channel sounds so you can you can go very far with it uh, you can you can really play, play freely with with uh, with spatial audio but also the back end of the software is completely open so for example we had people playing with joysticks or we organized hack labs where uh, uh, one thing, for example, is that the, the team of Ableton created a spatial audio pong where uh, you had a, a, a noise sound moving through the space and you, you had to move yourself to in order to bounce back the ball. And so so it, it's that open on the back end that you through OSC, you can just program it any way you want, basically. That is very much... It has been already since the beginning our goal to 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 both create a tool, uh, create an instrument that is very flexible and and can do many things, but also to say like, oh, maybe you can connect your own instrument, or or maybe you think your instruments should work differently, and we just give you access to spatial audio and go build it yourself. Another thing to add to this would be. That um, is something that I talked about a bit before, is that what we have designed is not to, you know, put existing sounds in space and pan them around, you know, give them a position or a dynamic position. That's, it's also capable of doing that, definitely. Um, but uh, we try to take it a couple of steps further and also like what we call spatial sound synthesis. Um, and this means that, you know, there are several, let's say, spatial properties, which could be position, speed, size, um, amount. Um, in 4D Sound, we work with shapes as particle systems. We can elaborate a bit more on that. But like, you know, a sound object could exist of like a single particle or many. And this is dynamic. You can just, you know, twist the dial and, and you increase or decrease the resolution. Um, and so these spatial properties are connected with sound processing in terms of delays or a granulator, you know, taking bits and pieces of the audio that's going through the engine. Or there's integrated reverb for uh, virtual acoustics, which can sound very realistic, but also very uh, otherworldly. 
um, there are certain behaviors that you can apply, like algorithmic behavior that you can apply to the sound source. And all of this is, is integrated. So if you tweak the behavior, then this will have an effect on the delays. And if you uh, turn up the feedback, uh, it depends on the amount of particles that this virtual sound object consists of, like what, like how intense this this effect of this um, adjusted feedback in the in the delay loop. Yeah, just like I don't know, the soundboard of a piano, you know, always resonates with every key you touch, and there's like mechanics in in the instrument itself. Um, or maybe better comparable in this case with with a modular synth where everything is like connectable and you design your own instrument by your own choice of connections also. Um, because we made a couple of decisions as designers, but then as a user, you can 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 adjust these as well. Um, this this yeah, it's it's like an expressive tool, aka an instrument. <laughs> While we were designing it, we we really tried to design it as natural sounding as possible. So things like Doppler, things like uh, uh, um, if a sound moves away, how much does it get dampened, etc. So uh, the standard settings are kind of uh, natural. I mean, it's it's a difference on how hot it is and how moisty it is in how sounds behaves. But anyway, let's say. A natural state, and uh, it's possible to, for example, if you. One of my favorite things to do is to have a sawtooth to put it into a hundred different particles, have the particles move really fast through the space, and then put Doppler really high, and you get this really intense kind of. It's like a super killer bee uh, swarm uh, around you, and then you can move that whole swarm. Uh, far away and come back. So uh, for me as a sound designer, that's really a dream because I, 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 with a single sawtooth, I can create a very realistic uh, spatial experience. So one thing I, you know, think a lot about kind of as working, you know, as a composer and a live performer within these spatial audio environments is what is, is thinking about space as an added dimension to the process of composition, performance, and even audience interaction. Um, and I guess I'd, I'd like to hear how the two of you um, think of that as well and how does that um, allow artists to achieve um, you know, different kinds of experiences for their audience. Spatial sound is, is something that we experience naturally. So uh, if we walk on the street, we experience spatial sound. If we, in any kind of context, uh, sound is spatial anyway. Uh, even if you listen to speakers in a, in a space, if you walk around the speakers, you hear this, the sound change because you're different uh, connected to the speaker. So what, what stereo sounds tries to do is create a, a simulation of space uh, within the space or within your headphones. And so I think uh, a lot of the, the the tools that have been made for stereo is, is trying to, uh, of course, there's different uh, mixing methods and, and some are more like if you have a jazz record, you'll have the drummer on one speaker and 
another instrument on another speaker. And well, there's only two speakers, so most of them is, are either on one or the other. Uh, and so this creates kind of an, an idea of being in between the band. Um, if you listen to, to a, a pop record, it often kind of has very little dynamic. It's in your face and it kind of, it's very kind of uh, aggressive towards you. And so I think if you go back to spatial sound, which is kind of our natural way of experiencing, if you hear a band play without any amplification, you can walk around the band and you hear, if you go closer to the drummer or far further away from the drummer, that's a very natural thing. So for me, it's almost uh, starting to work in spatial sound has almost been kind of taking a step back into a more natural way of mixing. And so um, I afterwards started mixing in stereo again in my studio and I, I, I recognized that I, I started doing things differently just because my thought process of spatial sound had changed. And so... That's that's kind of the, the 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 first step. Then also, I think music is very much about storytelling, and spatiality uh, allows us to to locate instrument voices or create uh, movements within that space. And so, that should be part of your story. Uh, what Paul was telling earlier that our artists often come with their stems and they try to mix them. And then once after two days, they, they suddenly realize, oh, wait, space is actually part of the composition. They often take away all of the material or start reinterpreting their material because uh, in space, if you, look, if you place a sound very small in the middle of the space, it has a very different meaning than if it's a wall on the side or if it's a sound very far away it just the meaning of the sound changes so radically and because it's so much more detailed in terms of location and uh, uh, location basically uh, spatial properties the the um, the meaning of the sound changes so so radically that that yeah you just you want at least me as a as a composer and also what we noticed uh, in in the different artist residencies, artists often kind of start feeling it themselves, and after a few days, start behaving differently. So our argument would be that sound is inherently spatial. Um, it could be argued that, like right now, we have headphones on our heads, so it's like really inside our head. So maybe that's not spatial, but let's not get into that. Like every other situation, it's spatial. Um, a person that talks with you has a certain distance. You have like a, an impression of, of, of a person's size or any other sound object. Um, there's always acoustics. Uh, a room can sound very dry or, or very wet. Um, like the choirs in churches and cathedrals, they sound very holy and divine because of these large amounts of, of reverb. And we also, we attach this meaning uh, to to a lot of reverb and connected with holiness because we have learned so like um, uh, through time uh, already many generations before us and because sound is inherently spatial 
um, as a sound designer, you should want to work with spatial sounds. Like it's one and one is two or even three. Um, and like if if you want a person or a singer, and not a real one, but this case, like a virtual one, to like whisper in your ear something that sounds very intimate. If you're looking for intimacy, you could look for that. Or maybe somebody is screaming like somewhere in at the in the corner of the space that you are in, or you want to experience like this, like a flock of birds flying around you. Um, uh, these are just three more or less arbitrary examples, but I think they, you know, should show you that being able to um, uh, to have access to those possibilities. Uh, will will create interesting live performances. There's something about that the audience shares the space with the artist. Um, like people pay a lot for tickets, although you know they have unlimited access through Spotify and whatever to listen at home. But still, they want to be in this same space. Um, so maybe it's some kind of a church in some way, uh, and that's why people want it. And. You know, the classic is that there is a stage and then there's the seats and then you have like an optimized stereo setup and probably the entire space is very dry to optimize for this, like I would almost say dual setup um, where the artist... Try to eliminate any acoustic yeah, yeah, yeah. influence on the stereo. Yeah. And music and live spaces, it's also a lot of times mixed in mono. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you so if you share this space as a performing artist with your audience and you are uh, also in spatial sound, you can, you know, be part of this same space and move sounds towards, you know, the people in the corner and then move it somewhere else, then um, you're talking about I mean, there's so much to say about it, but like one thing to to view it is is like you are building a new architecture, and like sound architecture, like it's the sound of architecture of maybe architecture of sound. Um, that's that's I find that very interesting. So that's why we do that. One one personal uh, uh, kind of joy that I have with spatial sound is also that to have a, a voice move through the space very. Realistically, that's that's that sounds like a voice in space, and to have a guitar that's located somewhere that's an acoustic guitar. But trying to create an instrument that is doesn't have like a, a real life reference or an electronic sound, and giving that a location and a possibility to walk around that sound was something completely new to me. That was really like, wow, I'm I'm. I am now creating a physical object virtually in space, uh, and I can I can uh, make it a guitar, but I can also make it a a very strange guitar or an enormous guitar, or a, an enormous and a tiny guitar, and uh, and and uh, I can have the small guitar with a lot of reflection and the the gigantic guitar very small, so it's it's very. It gives a a certain flexibility that that I guess uh, that you can see in architecture. You have VR, and I think for 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 sound designers, you have or spatial uh, spatial sound. You have uh, um, these kind of tools. So you've mentioned that you've uh, worked with a variety of many different artists. 
and achieving many different expressions of work. Uh, what are some of the more interesting or creative ways that you've seen artists use the 4D sound array? Uh, there are so many. <laughs> um, maybe a very or quite early. So the Biosphere was doing a residency in our first Amsterdam studio where we already had like a large system. 4D sound system come in many sizes and this was the first large one. And Biosphere brought all these field recordings that he recorded himself. And one of these field recordings was like the sound of cracking ice or like, I don't know the exact word in English, but like ice, like um, bumping into each other. Um, well, cracking ice. And what Biosphere did was like he created a ceiling with this sound. So you should imagine that this, this space, also I'm talking about the live performance, this space is about 16 by 16 meters and there's, let's say, 200 people of audience. And this audience is sitting underneath a ceiling of this crackling ice. Uh, and he combined it very um, effective with one of the effects that we have in, in, in our software, which is called spatial delay which like diffracts the sound. So this was this very rich sound of this cracking ice and it, it was just beautiful. I, I, I don't think I'm so much a synesthetic, but I saw the color purple <laughs> very vividly in that moment. <laughs> well, I think in general, that whole show was very visual. Uh, I, I did read, we played it, uh, uh, he played it live at, um, Atonal Festival in Berlin, in Kraftwerk, uh, where, where there was a, also a large-scale system set up. And uh, in the review, they also mentioned that they felt the, the context, because it's a big concrete hall, uh, but they said that they felt like the, the, the walls were growing with moss and changing towards ice. And that, that it was very, created a very, I mean, his work in general is like this, but just because of this, that extra layer of speciality uh, combined with these really good recordings that was a very, very special uh, show indeed. Um, for me, uh, Croatian Amor was one of my favorites. And, and his mu it was a very musical piece, but at the same time, his work is kind of, uh, at least in, in, in the 4D sound system, the, the locations were very swift and very short and they all had to do with each other but at the same time they uh they told they they were from different sources and he it's very much kind of radio drama but then combined with electronic music idm and kind of a, a very fresh aesthetic i would say and and uh, i i felt that that worked incredibly well Another highlight for me was uh, Koenraad Ecker, who is a composer from Belgium. And he was, this, this was, I think, during our, like our residency at ZKM in Karlsruhe. Um, and he was making use a lot of like cause and effect, but then in a spatial way. So there were a lot of cues. So like sound, let's say switch on sound B and lead into sound C. So something would happen in the corner and maybe with like a crescendo and then at the end of the crescendo, it would drop like the volume and then in the other corner, something would appear. And this just make 
made so much sense to do this spatially. I think this already works in in, in stereo playback, but you know this cause and effect um, uh, as like a, a spatial choreography because it was like a choreography of, of everything that was happening. That was, yeah, super powerful and interesting. A bit music concrete. A bit, yeah, but also more abstract sounds. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess, uh, what what have been some of the audience reactions to experiencing a live performance on a 40 sound array? Um, a great variety. Um, and maybe also to add to the previous topic a little bit, uh, so for the sound presentations or concerts are like with free space for the people to walk around or to do whatever they want because you can walk around sounds or you, you know you also often the artist is not so much the focal point um, so you don't really have something to look at so also I prefer for the sound in in pitch dark so you can really listen to the like the the, the 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 virtual spatial sound uh, and you are like literally not limited visually to the walls so sounds can travel much further in space than the actual space that you are in um uh, so in that sense we also yeah let's say invite this audience to a new setting because I mean, there's more experimental theater going on. This is not completely a new thing, but at least it's not conventional where you just look at the stage and listen with your left ear to the left speaker and your right ear to the right speaker. No, you can move around, you can lie down, you can sit, you can dance, you can explore. Um, and there there has been, this also quite early and what what was surprising to us and very interesting, it was a live performance of Max Cooper. Um, and for those who don't know him, Max Cooper produces uh, electronic music, uh, like uh, like IDM music, very creative. Uh, it's not too fast, it's also not too slow. Um, um, it's quite dynamic. But at some, like in a single moment, what happened was that in the center of the space, people were dancing. Then there was like a second circle of people standing and listening. Then there was a third circle of people sitting or lying. And then there was a fourth circle of people like walking around. So there was like these three or four behaviors of people at the same time, um, which, yeah, I, this is already 10 years ago, <laughs> uh, but it still surprises me. Um, I think uh, I think what's nice is that there's not kind of a, a, a social rule set yet, and especially with performances where there are, where the performer is not there, there is not really a focus point for the for the audience. So the system itself doesn't have a front or a back. So what happened, for example, what I found beautiful with uh, the Murkov performance is that. He, he created the piece, he was there, but he was just in the corner of the space and people didn't even see him. But he was sitting in the middle of the room for, for two weeks working on his piece. After he was uh, finished working and uh, uh, everything was done, he, he, the audience uh, started to come in. And because there was no focus point, they didn't know, really know where to stand or sit or, or walk. So at some point they started to 
create a circle in the middle. There was an empty circle in the middle, and it was exactly the spot where he had been sitting. But he wasn't like there. The ghost anymore. of Murkov. And the audience just so the, the ghost of Murkov was still there. And the audience kind of sat in circles around that, which was beautiful. So that they collectively decided that the center was the kind of the 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 the, the yeah the, the center was was the center of 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 the of the show, and uh, the whole uh, that that piece which was uh, a, a bit quite a bit more abstract than, for example, Max Cooper. Um, the the audience uh, had been yeah sitting in the center and walking around the uh, the, uh, the 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 people sitting. Um, I think that what what's interesting if you remove kind of the the uh, a, a, f- a focus point in the space so uh, for with a band that's obviously the stage but if 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 that if you remove that anything that's different in the space kind of creates that behavior so we if we hang a lamp in the in 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 some one spot people start to stand around the lamp uh, that which is something we did as an experiment which was really interesting it just had one single lamp and that became the center and the people started uh standing around that so i think that's kind of a more general uh, kind of social behavior yeah, so we also had quite some responses of people who who reacted very emotionally, and then like emotional in in, in the broadest sense. Um, but uh, and, and and like also together with the feedback that the sounds in space are they really feel like physical presences. So uh, when a sound approaches you. When you are sitting, standing, dancing, whatever in a 4D sound system, then it's really like the sound coming towards you. So the the term naturalistic um, was already used before, but naturalistic is perhaps another way to say it's very convincing because on the one hand, like it it applies the rules of nature, um, which lead to you know you experiencing proximity or size or speed. Um, but at the same time, with the parameters that we have, we can also exaggerate or uh, completely uh, randomize um, um, this, this this spatial sound properties, you know, with this spatial sound synthesis uh, approach that we have. And then you can create, for instance, even like terrifying, <laughs> um, like 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 flocks of I don't know animals. Um, but like on the one hand, they are completely otherworldly and unreal. But because they maintain this naturalistic quality, still like a very physical or emotional reaction with people. Um, there are luckily like exceptions, but there are even like a few exceptions who just couldn't take it because it's, I don't know, they were like, this is like a nightmare. I'm so, I'm like, it's just like too intense that, that we get back a lot. Not the last thing, but you know the physical presence and how how people really feel as being part of the same space as the virtual sounds. A few of my favorite responses. I remember this one girl who was an audio engineer, and she stood in the middle after the concert crying because she felt like she just heard what she always wanted to achieve with sound. And I found that one of the most beautiful. She 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 was just 
completely over emotionally overwhelmed by her experience of of the sounds in the space and i thought that was just that was really incredible another one that i remember is that when we were working on a project somebody brought their dog in it was fantastic but the dog started running after the sounds which i found a huge compliment because the dog really could he could locate the sounds and follow them in the space so <laughs> that that was one response that i really loved and the third one I, I remember was... Yeah, so we were also available for uh, dog trainings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remote whistles. Uh, uh, a, a third one was uh, we did at ADE... What year was it? The last one in uh, Compagnie Theater. 2014. Yeah, so at Amsterdam Dance Event 2014, we uh, we had a few shows, and there was one show of Max Cooper, uh, and I already saw it during the show, but I, I, I kind of I, I mostly listen to things and just look in the audience, and but also because it's our evening, I'm also kind of looking if everything is going is going all right, etc. But um, during the show, there were a few people that were on something. I don't know exactly what it was, but it certainly was psychedelic. And I read a review on a on a uh, uh, on a an, uh, in a newspaper that said that they were going through life changing uh, experience from hell to heaven in uh, in minor minutes, and like they were just the 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 response was very vivid. I think. Uh, that might also have to do with what they had taken, but it's certainly, uh, I think it's a very personal experience because you, the sounds really move towards you. They don't move to towards somebody in the corner because you are on a certain location and that person is there. So it's different for each audience member, uh, audience member, and I think that's also important. Even if you have a static composition that is set in the space you can walk through it so you can walk to a certain instrument so that's that's i think has always also been a very different experience for people that they were able to do that they, they kind of could interact with it more yeah i find um being able to kind of uh, find ways of getting people to move differently through a space by using sound is really interesting um you know, thought process, you know, I think as a composer and as a sound designer, thinking about, okay, if you're creating, you know, sound in this space and how can you, how, how is that experience different depending on where the audience member is standing in the space? Um, how can you actually create, uh, encourage the audience member to move around the space and experience the space in a different way? Um, and have this more kind of interactive experience because so much traditional music is just sit, you know, listen, absorb. Be entertained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, like, how, you know, it's like that, that the, the change that creating these sorts of spaces, just, you know, allowing people to be able to um, interact and engage with the space in a different way. It's not just the sound. It's also, you know, the people in the environment. It's the performer. It's the focal point. It's the, you know, the way that someone's actually moving um, and having their own experience of space, I find is a really powerful, um, you know, tool 
to being able to create, you know, within these environments. Okay. So, well, thank you so much for that discussion. That was very interesting and exciting to hear um, about all of your thought processes and experiences of working, you know, with your system and then also collaborating with different artists and exploring sound as an instrument and space as an instrument. Um, so we'll move into our kind of final section here and talk about um, what is the future for 40 Sound? What are some of the current projects that you're working on? Um, any big future plans? Uh, it's been it's been uh, obviously it's been uh, uh, somewhat quiet in social uh, spheres uh, for the last two years, and things are starting up now. New projects are coming up. Uh, I think one one of the the one that I'm really excited about at the moment is Part. Uh, we're in the midst of it, which is a dance uh, a project with uh, a Beethoven piece that we are kind of taking apart. Uh, so uh, there's uh, a string quartet that uh, is connected to dancers and there's a spatial uh, setup. And we combine those three to zoom into different parts of the Beethoven piece. So we're literally taking it apart and that we're doing that in texture, we're doing that in rhythm, we're doing that in, in uh, connected layers of music. And so... Uh, yeah, that's that's a really fantastic uh, project, and Paul is uh, currently programming the software, custom software for that. Uh, and yeah, so it's it's going to be based on on live sampling the string quartet, and then have like various ways of playing it back, like in short loops with time stretching, uh, granular modification, um, and it's like let's say a multi-channel playful looper to just put it simply for now and because it's multi-channel um it's just like easy with our 40 sound software because we can like use these different channels with the different particles in space um so yeah we are like meshing up time and space completely for this piece and also what's nice is that we are and that's something that we're going to test uh, i think this friday we're going to create a tool where the musicians themselves are able to record themselves so they can decide what they want to have repeated in the space. So they go to a corner, they record themselves, and the sound stays there while they move away. And then we can use that sound as extending it into the space. So it's kind of, it's both. We are uh, both samplers and, 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 and spatial mixers, as well as kind of offering tools for the musicians to have their own influence on, on creating uh, uh, the the kind of the sound design around the piece. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, an important uh, event that's coming up is that we are going to do a three-day showcase in the Concertgebouw here in Amsterdam. So we will be taking over the the small hall for that, and uh, there's going to be like a large-scale 4D sound system. And uh, we are still working on like the curational details. We will be giving workshops uh, and or lectures on our technology. Um, we are going to uh, play back 
um, uh, compositions from our archives and there are going to be two or even three live performances um, so it's going to be busy um, but this yeah it's from 15 till 18 of December yeah. so if you are in or around Amsterdam then you should definitely come awesome well all of that sounds exciting and I think uh, to add one more thing sorry to talk about because this was the near future but what's what's really important for us something that we're working on and also uh, if you do have ideas about this, please do get in contact with us. Uh, we are aiming to open a studio in Amsterdam. Uh, currently, there's three studios, but there's not a studio nearby, so we constantly go to one or the other studio. Um, there's no public studio, and we're aiming to to create a space in Amsterdam uh, to both do artist residencies and also to to kind of yeah, do research, etc., cetera, to, to, to continue this. Same counts for, uh, for other cities. So we are very happy to connect to people that are, that are hoping to open spaces and uh, that want to become part of a network of both uh, people that share the technology, but also very important to share content, to, to create things together and, and to, to, to build a bigger community around spatial sound. Well, that is a beautiful um, thing that you're doing. It's re really uh, great for the community and building more community um, is so important. Um, are there any other calls you want to shout out to the community while we're on that? If, you, if you're interested in to like, visit a 4D sound event or studio, uh, then keep an eye on our website. Um, so for the sound.net and of course the socials and also please um, have a look at our partners so the 40 sound like independent 40 sound venue monum in berlin and the other venue lope in vancouver um, so they are like also doing interesting and and crazy stuff with with our technology um, so that's also places to listen to it. And of course, the Special Sound Institute in Budapest. Can you share one piece of advice that really helped you in your career? Working with the right people around you. Like really invest in your team. Um, 40 Sound is, is, is a small company. Uh, currently, like the core team exists of, of seven people. And yeah, it's it's if you have, let's say, a more ambitious endeavor or smaller projects, bigger projects, in the end, you do it with the team. Um, so find the right people and uh, that will bring you further together. Yeah, I think 4D Sound is a good example of, of some something that we would never, ever have done without each other. It's, it's really a product of, of all of our minds and energy and... and dreams uh, that we put together that we were able to do something like this so uh, I, I completely agree with Paul on this one one thing I'll say I'm I'm gonna watch out for the next available opportunity to be in one of those places um, in the UK or abroad <laughs> well thank you so much it has been a true pleasure thank you thank you yeah, look forward to um, more conversations in the future so yes please thank you very much cheers thanks If you enjoy the podcast and would like to show your support, please consider becoming a Patreon. 
Not only are you supporting us, but you will also get special access to bonus content and much more. Find out more on our official Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash immersive audio podcast. You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast, hosted by Oliver Cadell, Bjorn Jacobson, and Monica Bowles. This episode was produced by Oliver Cadell and Emma Reese and included music by Rhythm Scott. Got an idea for an episode or want to comment on something we've discussed recently? Drop us an email at podcast at 1618digital.com or find us on Twitter at iAudioPodcast. If you've enjoyed our show, head to our page on iTunes and leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out. Visit immersiveaudiopodcast.com to access show notes and other episodes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.